Good morning. Oh, it's so good to hear you. Happy year. Welcome to Bethany. My name is Tom. So good. Full house is beautiful. I want you to know we have a 9 o'clock service. We do an identical service at 9 and at 10.30. So if, if you like to spread out, you might want to come to 9. We're glad you're here. Um, children may be dismissed from Children's Church. There's Jamie up there. I want to invite you guys back, though, when we do the baptisms. Oh, it's such a blessing. We want everybody to be together. If you're in the nursery and you're watching via television, come on in. Bring everybody. Uh, we're so glad you're here. It's going to be a great morning. Acts. Chapter 1, verse 12, that's where we're starting. We're going to cover a lot of ground. God's got a lot for us. If you have a Bible, you want to open it there, Acts 1, 12. If you do not have a Bible with you and you would like one, I'd ask you to raise your hand. My lovely assistant, Cliff Shanklin, or no, Roy Mask, there you are. Uh, he'll get you one. If you just want to use it for this service, that's cool. You can leave it here. If you want to take it with you, that's our free gift to you. Use it. Be blessed by it. It's the Word of God, uh, and you can follow along with us. Um, while you're turning there, I would like to quote the cinematic masterpiece that is Tommy Boy that says, I have, I have what doctors like to call a little bit of a weight problem. I don't wait well. I don't see you're laughing because you think I was meaning something else. Now, now you'll have time to repent of that later. I don't wait well. I don't wait for things real well. Never is this more apparent than when we go shopping together, Shree and I. We go to uh, the department store. And ladies, you need to know that for, for men, whether they be your boyfriend or your husband, this is like standing at the edge of the dark abyss. You know, the edge of the twilight zone. This is like a lot of fears and a lot of insecurities come to bear when we go to the fitting room to wait for you. Uh, because they just have a chair. It's just one, you know, 18 million sitting with one plastic chair. There's no video games. There's nothing to read. There's no bacon. There's nothing. Yeah, it's that hard. And, and here's how it goes. You need to bring a small blunt object like a rolling pin or a large summer sausage so you can beat yourself into unconsciousness when it feels like you're losing touch with reality. And here's how it goes because your wife, and she comes, your girlfriend, she's got her arm full of clothes. And you have to go. I don't know who made this up. You have to go to the counter. And there's always a creepy woman who works there. If you work at one of these counters, I'm sorry, you're creepy. We, 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 got, we got programs for you. We'll help you with that. But they go there, and there's this thing. I don't know who made it up. you got to get a big plastic card, a colored card. And it has a number on it that corresponds with the number of the articles of clothing that you're bringing in. So today, Sheree is a four. Sheree is a ten, but she has a four. You know what I'm saying? So she's going in there, and then we get all mathematical on it. We figure, okay, uh, 15 seconds to get all your clothes off. We always overestimate that. It's not that. But then four articles of clothing, 30 seconds each, four times 30 plus the... F I don't know. I don't know. But it's not that long. Maybe five minutes, right, max? And you're starting to do the Mississippis in your head and stuff like that and your watch. And then it gets all funny because you're sitting there and time just stand still, and you can't even make eye contact. You can't make eye contact with a woman, with other people coming in. They might be buying undergarments. You make eye contact. They arrest you. They take you to jail. For... I'm not going there again. 
So, and then there's a woman who comes in and she's an eight, right? Well, no, she's a two, but she has an eight. And she goes in and then she comes out. And the four, who's a ten, who has a four, is still in there. And you see how it's building. You see how it's, it's getting troublesome here. And, and so now you have to talk to the creepy woman. And you have to explain to her that my wife, she's a ten, but she has a four. And the eight came in, and the eight went out. There she is. And, and the four is still in there. And she might be all tangled up in the tags or something. She might be choking on one of the hors d'oeuvres. I know you got special things in the women's side. Men's side, very ghetto. Men and women, I don't know what you do. But you got to do something. you got to go in there and, and, and write in the tirade that she comes out and she gives it all back. She's keeping nothing. This should bring me great joy, but it doesn't. So I'm all wrapped up in this waiting and I don't wait very well. And it may not make a big difference when we're going to the department store. But it does make a huge difference in our life and in our faith because some of you, many of you, are here and, and you're at a point in your life where God is preparing you. He's, you're, you're on the edge of something new, something different, something beyond what you've experienced through Him before. It, it might be in relationships that are broken and, and you know He's about restoration with a boyfriend, with a husband, with a wife with friendships. It might be in your finances. It might be in your job. And you're between these things and you're waiting. You're waiting for a promise that God has laid on your heart that He's revealed in your Word. And the early church is here. The early church is here as we go through the first chapter of Acts. They're here between major events. You know, if you go back and you know the series that we've been in, we're to Acts to be continued. And the resurrected Jesus has given us a call He's given them a call to, to reach the entire world, the ends of the earth, with His good news, to bring all people and all things to Himself so that He can remake them into the people and things that, he's, that He's created them to be. Okay, and He's promised His Holy Spirit. And then the resurrected Jesus takes them out at the, to the Mount of Olives and, and he, he levitates. He leaves the ground. He defies gravity as He ascends physically into heaven. And so this has just happened. And then He goes back and He says, you're to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pour over you as I've never poured over you. I'm going to abide in you as you've never been abided in. I'm going to give you power that you can't even imagine to go do this thing. And live for me. And you're to wait. But waiting needs to be more than the passage of time between major events in our lives and in our faith and as our faith infuses our lives. What if the way that we waited determined whether we actually received and experienced the very thing we've been promised, the very thing we've been waiting for? What if the way that we did the waiting determined whether we actually received what we were waiting for all along. That, I believe, is what God reveals in His Word to us this morning as we get into it. He wants waiting to be more than just the passage of time between times when He shows up and shows off in all His glory and power. He needs to get us ready. The waiting is preparation where He comes in. He changes our hearts. He changes our minds. He changes our expectations. He changes our attitudes. He changes our relationships and prepares us to receive that which He has promised, which we're waiting for. So we're going to transform waiting into getting ready with the early church. We've got to pray. Father, You have a great Word. You have a great Spirit. You are a great God. And You're being... Uh, 
your offering to use a broken man to bring your word and I confess that to you. Lord, I confess my sins and I wish there weren't so many. Lord, I ask that you open eyes, that you open hearts. I pray against the enemy, his servants and all their effects. Lord, that you would have free reign in here. You would leave us changed and that we would respond to your Holy Spirit as you reveal yourself to our hearts and our lives, all that you are, all that you want to be and all that you want to do. And Lord, make us willing to to step out and risk it all for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. The early church. Here we go. The early church and we, together with them, have enjoyed and been blessed by the trickle of His goodness, the outpouring of His Spirit, the the trickle. And the early church is getting ready. He's calling them. He's calling us to get ready to prepare ourselves to stand under the waterfall. There's a transformation in the Scripture. There needs to be a transformation in our lives to get ready to stand under the waterfall of His Holy Spirit and His blessing. We're going to read uh, from verse 12 in chapter 1 of Acts. Through the end of the chapter, here we go. I'm going to point out a few things that, uh, that are for your home study, that are for you to discuss in your small groups and pray about. And then we're going to go back and we're going to unpack some of the things that, that Jesus is telling us, that the Scripture is telling us that we have to do to, to more than wait, to get ready, so that we can receive all that He has promised. Okay, verse 12, here we go. Then they, these are the apostles, they returned to Jerusalem, just as Jesus had told them to do. From the hill called the Mount of Olives. This is a Sabbath day's walk from the city. Now, a Sabbath day's walk is about three quarters of a mile. For reference sake, this is the distance from my desk at the Aspinall Wilson Center over at the college to the ice cream aisle at the city market. Just for reference. Three quarters of a mile. You need a whole pint for that. When they arrived... They went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. Now, this is not Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. He is not coming to this party, and we'll find out why in just a second. Verse 14, And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. It's significant that Jesus' brothers are there, because during his lifetime, during his earthly ministry, they thought he was out to lunch. They thought he was going crazy. Now, now they believe he is who he said he is. He's the the risen Savior. He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, and they are worshiping him. And they've had a transformation. And that's the transformation we need to have here. Okay. Verse 15, in those days, Peter stood up. Stop there. We went through the Man Up series. If you haven't heard it, it, the podcasts are on the web. Man Up. Some of us men need to stand up and be the spiritual leaders of this church. Some of us need to man up and be the spiritual leaders of our families. We need to be the spiritual leaders of our dating relationships, of our our friendships, of our of our workplaces, it's time to man up, guys, because you win the men, you win the war. Women have a, a very important part, role to play, but Peter didn't ask permission. He didn't take a poll. He was called of God, and he stood up, and here's what he said. Peter stood up among them, the believers, a group numbering about 120. Okay, this is the first church business meeting. Okay, here it is. And he said this. Peter said, brothers... The Scripture, the Word of God, has been fulfilled. Has, 
had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas. This is Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Just because you're involved in ministry, just because you're hanging around the church, doesn't mean you belong to Jesus Christ. Judas didn't. Why did... Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to move on. I found another sermon coming along. Okay, verse 18. You don't want that. I love you. I don't want to subject you to that. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong. His body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. And some of the, some of the people there, some of us today, were saying, Peter, TMI, too much information. Do we need to get that graphic? Do we need to talk about guts? Yes, we do. Why? Why does he mention this? Not just to warn the church that this is what happens when you mess with Jesus Christ. I believe why this is here is to say that when Satan uses us for a time momentarily to cause division, to fight against the cause of Christ, when Satan uses us to do anything, he destroys us when he's done. He eviscerates us. He guts us. When God calls a man, a woman, a child to him and uses that person, he elevates and blesses and exalts and and blesses and brings him to himself. But Satan will use you and then gut you and throw you out. Moving on, verse 19, everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, Peter said. So they called that field in their language, Akeldama, which is field of blood. For, said Peter, is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary for us to choose one of the men who have been with us for the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Somebody who knows Jesus. Someone who who knows him intimately. Beginning, verse 22, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, the ascension, which we just looked at last week. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So, you know, the first church meeting, you can hear the people. It's a church meeting. We're only 120 people. And what does Peter want to do? He wants to add staff. He wants to add staff. I can't believe this. It's just wrong. We have 120 people. We have a 12 now ministers. That's what? I don't know. It's too much. But here was Peter was doing. He was not only saying the scripture must be fulfilled, but the leaders of the church were planning not for what the church was today, not for what the church was right now, but what they believed that Jesus was going to do and through his Holy Spirit in the church in the days to come. And we're going to see in Acts chapter two that he added three thousand in one day. And from that point, added daily those who were being saved. And they were planning and they were getting ready for that. Remember that when we go into our church meeting. Okay. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, son of the Sabbath, and also known as Justice. And the other man was Matthias. And then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. There's a choice to be made. They leave that choice to God. To take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas has left, to go where he belongs. Stop there. To go where he belongs. Don't you know it was brooding in the heart of Peter, maybe, to say, Judas, who has gone to the hot place. Think about it. If anybody we could say, we, we suspect 
that they are as far from Jesus Christ in the afterlife as they could possibly be. He didn't say, and Judas, who is now burning in hell. No, he says he's gone where he belongs and I leave that up to you. And how eager are we as church people sometimes to take the fun out of fundamentalism, right? We want to go tell people they're, they're going to the hot place. The good news does not start with the word hell. Okay, I'll stop yelling momentarily. <laughs> Judas can go where he belongs. And they cast lots. This was a way in the Old Testament that God had given his people to discern his will, to find out what his will is. This is the last time casting lots is found in the New Testament. From here to the end of Revelation, it's not found. It's not found in our lives because why? The Holy Spirit was coming. We have the discernment and the wisdom of the Spirit. There's no more need for casting lots. And the lot fell to Matthias. Matthias, we'll call him Matt. For short. Now, Matt is not a starter. He comes off the bench, but he can shoot the three from the baseline, and we need him. And he comes in, and Matt is going to fill in. And this is Matt Patrick's favorite verse, I'm sure. You know, he's got this committed to memory. So he was added to the 11 apostles. And then they go on. So we're going to go back, and we're going to unpack what's going on here. We're going to see how they're making waiting more than the passage of time between which God shows up and shows off. They're making waiting a getting ready, a transformation of mind and heart and attitude and faith and plans to get ready for the very thing that they're waiting for. And it's all tied to connecting deeper. It's all tied to connectedness. So I want to share with you. Oh, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Don't panic. Water won't all evaporate before we get in it. Three connection points. Three connection points that I want us to take a look at. I'm going to need your help here. Connection point number one. I want you to say this with me. Sit up, clear your throats. Let's do this together. Number one, connect deeper with each other. Connect deeper with each other. This is what they did. This is how they waited and got ready. Connect deeper with each other. Jesus tells the apostles back in verse 4. We'll take a look. That... That you go to Jerusalem, don't leave the city until you receive the gift that my father has promised. Go back to Jerusalem. Those were the orders. So they go back, they walk back to Jerusalem, right? We see them do that. They're obedient to that. Here's what they don't do when they get into the gates of the city. They don't go, oh guys, isn't that great? We saw Jesus ascend to heaven. You don't see that every day, but... You know that, that ascending thing? It took all morning. I didn't think it was going to take that long. And you and I, we've got a lot to do. A lot, a lot of other things to see to. So, so why don't we just split? We'll go our separate ways. And, uh, and that's what we'll do. Peter, Peter, you're kind of the boss. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, tell you what you do. Because Jesus didn't set a specific date and time. You know how he is about the date setting. He doesn't like it. So when, when, when the Holy Spirit shows up, Peter, you just send a mass a mass text to all of us, okay? Tell us where and when, and we'll show up. We'll take it from there, okay? Everybody in. Apostles on three. One, two, three, apostles. Okay, and then they go. That's not what happened. What did happen? What did they do? They connected deeply with each other. And that's what we need to do. They banded together. They went, and we see in verse 13, they went to the upper room. They went to an upper room, an attic of a building where they had been staying. And it tells us, I'm going to take a sip. Excuse me a second. Who was there? The rest of the followers of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you into the upper room. Verse 15 tells us there were 120 of them in this room. They were there. 120 of them. 
They're staying there together. They're connecting deeply there together. That's part of their getting ready. It's connecting deeply. Now, how, when, have you ever had 120 people in your house? Have you ever had 120 people in one room of your house? Can you imagine what this is like? 120 people in one room of your house for a sleepover. That lasts 10 days. 10 days. And who else is there? The, verse 14 says the women are there too. So we know the cast of characters. We know who's there. We know that Martha, you remember Martha? She's uh, Lazarus' sister. And we know from Scripture that she has obsessive compulsive tendencies, Right? She's always working. She's always cooking. She's always cleaning. Can't you see her? Peter is leaving these shards of unleavened bread all over the place. I've got to pick this up. Now, she's going crazy. Maybe. And then we got James and John. We know from Matthew 20, their mother is still alive because she tried to lobby Jesus to get in the best seats in heaven, right? You remember that? She's there. James and John, two brothers, they're sleeping. They're probably sharing a blanket. You ever slept with two brothers? You have two kids that try to sleep next to each other? 120 of them, they're trying to get a little shut-eye, you know? Because God is really moving here. Everybody's trying to get some sleep. James and John, this is what might happen, if you can imagine. Stop touching me. Stop touching me. Get your cold feet off me. Stop touching me. Mom, he's touching me. He's t- well, he, he stole the covers. Mom. And she's saying this. She said, yeah. For the love of you know who. You just think a shit. Be very quiet. So so the, there's a point here and I'm getting to it. 120 people with these weirdos mixed in. And they're connecting deeply and it works. And they love each other. And the call to us is connect with each other deeply as we wait. Connect deeply. Here's my point. We live in an isolated and remote place, which I love. I love this place. Here's the problem. It often attracts isolated and remote people. Or retracts people and makes them isolated and remote. And we can't be. You said, I don't need people. Jesus says you do. In order to live the way He's called you to live, we need to be deeply connected with each other. We don't do isolated and remote here in this church. We can't do isolated and remote in the body of Christ. It's a body. It's a body we need to be deeply, deeply connected with each other. This is the church is God's dream of community come to life. And we need to connect deeply with each other in order to do that. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus coming to reunite, reunite, to bring people back to Himself, to bring people back to each other. We, we, since the fall, since our first parents sinned, it's been fractured and broken apart. Our friendships, our marriages, our work relationships, our brothers and sisters, everything. And, and He's come to, to connect us deeply to Himself, to connect us deeply with each other. And if we want to have deeper connection, here's what we got to do. That which unites us needs to be so much bigger, so much stronger than that which divides us. 
The love of Jesus Christ, the presence of Jesus Christ has to trump everything. Has to trump everything. We need to be able to come to this place and say, I want to be with you in a deep way. And I don't care if you raise your hands in worship. I was brought up to think they were going to shoot them off if they went up above my waist. But I love you because Jesus is here and you follow Him and He loves you and I love you and I want to connect with you. You may have a facial tattoo. Hey, I'm not messing with this moneymaker, baby. I don't see how you can improve upon it. But I bless you and I love you. It doesn't matter. I want to be intimately connected with you. I want my life to be interwoven with yours. I want to carry your burdens. I want to intercede for you in prayer. I want to encourage you. I want to walk with you as we go out and share the love of Jesus Christ with everybody. The love of Jesus needs to trump everything. And together with Jesus, we can bring our issues. Here's what we do, though. We sit with people who have the same issues we do. We go to churches with people who have the same issues we do. Rather than coming together as a fruit salad of issues. And then we got some people who say they don't have issues. They don't have sin. Well, John is very clear in the Word of God when he, when he says, if you don't think you have issues, if you don't think you have sin... You got an issue with telling the truth. You're a liar. We got issues, baby. Look around. Look up here. Here's the good news Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger. And we need to take each other to the foot of the cross to receive mercy and grace and encourage each other as He builds us up. We're forgiven. And as He works out His salvation in us, as we're sanctified over time to look more and more like Him. You will have no trouble finding a church where there are a bunch of people who don't think they have issues. The world has issues. We're not us. My friends, that lie is keeping a lot of people who are far from Jesus Christ from ever setting foot in a church. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know you are welcome here. Because he's bigger than your issue and he's bigger than mine. And I'm not going to look at your issue and look down on you. But together, we take our issues to the cross. And we can get forgiven and changed. And then we can go out and minister to the issues of everybody else. It's sin. And Jesus is bigger than it. And that's where grace comes in. All right. One last thing about connecting deeply with each other. We'll move on. That is why we harp on this. We talk every week about the fact that you need to be in a small group. You need to be in a small group. If you're a regular attender of this church or a member of this church, you need to be plugged into a small group because it not only allows us to study God's Word, to speak life and truth into each other's lives, it allows us to connect deeply, to intertwine our lives and our hearts, get our hands dirty with the lives of each other. I can't tell you how many counseling sessions I've had with Christians who've been Christians all their lives, practically, who say, I'm surrounded by people, but I am isolated and I am lonely and I am dying inside because nobody knows me. Nobody knows me deeply and loves me even though. Nobody is speaking truth into my life. There's nobody who's coming alongside me. That is what the church is meant to be and that is what we're going to be. I encourage you. I plead with you. Get plugged into a small group. We will see that in the large gathering. The word goes forth. In the small gathering, the word is ministered. And then we go from there together. 
to, to bring that truth, that hope, that life to a watching, waiting, hungry, dying world. People we love, people Jesus loves who are far from him. Get involved in a small group. Connection point number two is that we not only have to connect deeply with each other, we have to do what? Bring it up. Let's say it together. Connect deeper with God in prayer. Say it again. Connect deeper with God in prayer. The waiting, the transformation, the getting ready. We'll see from the scripture. It's not only about connecting deeper with each other. It's connecting deeper with God through prayer. Look at verse 14. We're going to study this a little bit. Verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer. Now, there are subtleties within this verse, nuances, if you will, that God has given us, and we're going to plumb the depths of this verse, okay? And Matt and I have underlined some key words. We're going to do this. It's a little bit of a quiz, but we tried to make it as easy as possible, okay? So let's do this together. Let's find out what is at the core of this verse. How many of them got together? How many? Say it with me. All. Okay, they all joined together. Did they did it separately and isolated? No. All of them got the, and they did it together. Together. You're two for two. You got the confidence now. Let's go. Let's go. Don't, don't leave me now, okay? They all get together. They all joined together. How often did they do this? Once in a while, when they thought about it. How often did they do this? How frequently? They did it constantly. Okay! Three for three. You got an A+. Plus. Celebrate yourselves. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I mean this because for some of you, I know this is the first day plus you've ever gotten. <laughs> hey, I live to serve. I'm here for you. So what do we know? What do we all know about this truth? That they all did this, that they all did this together and they all did this. They all prayed all together constantly. We know this. We just got it right. We know that they all joined together constantly in prayer. That's what we know about the early church. Here's the question. Do we have any intention of doing it? Do we have any intention of doing it? He just changed his tone. He just got a little feisty. I don't know why he's getting so hot and bothered. I understand he has blood pressure problems. I watched that. I don't know why he's making this big hairy deal over this. That's, that's a strange fundamentalist woman who lives inside of each of us. I'm making, I need to yell at you a little bit about this just briefly. I'm making a big hairy deal about this because it is a big hairy deal. I need you to see why it's so. Stay with me. Look at me. Here's the disconnect. Jesus is talking about the connection with him, with each other. Here's the disconnect that so many believers in Jesus Christ, so many churches make with this. Okay? Here's the disconnect. We want the gift without the preparation. We want the gift of God without preparing as God has called us to prepare. We want what the early church has without doing what the early church did. We want the power of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, without the preparation and all that we gather together, constantly together to pray for it. We want the result without what it's based on. 
And so, so here's the disconnect. Stay with me. Here's, here, that's just the foundation of this. So what do we do? What do we do? We go through Scripture because we're Bible-believing folks. We believe this. So when we, we go through and we see what Jesus did, and He poured out His Holy Spirit, and He did great and mighty things. He healed people. He brought people together. He saved them. He, he restored them. He did wonderful things, great and miraculous things that we don't see. That we don't see happening in our churches, in our families, in our communities, in our college. So here's what we do. Here's what we do with this. Because we don't see it, we don't go back to the source. We don't go back to the Word of God and say, maybe, maybe if we did what the early church did, we'd have what the early church had. Maybe if we did what the early church did, God would use us in the mighty ways that He used them. He would do the same things. He would reach our community. He would transform our lives. He would turn us into into heroes of the faith in Him. We don't do that. This is what we do. In order to justify the fact that what we see in here, we don't see in here. What we do is we rearrange our theology to justify the lack of the miraculous, which is a product of our lack of faithfulness. We justify this by rearranging our theology to say, well, God just doesn't want to act like that anymore. God just doesn't want to do that anymore. And I believe it breaks the heart of God. Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't want the church to pause in reflecting His glory, in embodying His Holy Spirit, and going out and allowing them, allowing Him to do great and mighty and miraculous things through them. But to justify it, we rearrange our theology to accommodate the lack of the miraculous because of our lack of faithfulness. God calls us all to join together constantly in prayer. And the question is, do you and I have any intention of doing it? Wednesday nights we meet here. Wednesday nights we meet here for prayer as a church. The house is packed today. We had a nice, nice group at the 9 o'clock service. As well. Between five and nine people, Wednesdays, come. And we pour our hearts out in brokenness and confession and repentance for all the parts of us that don't look like Jesus. But we receive grace and we receive power from the Holy Spirit and we intercede for people. We intercede for the church for physical healing. And it happens. We had a testimony last week. It's miraculous. It's wonderful. We intercede for those who are far from Jesus Christ, from that group and the faithfulness and God's work. It's all God. Nine people, nine people from January until today that we know of have accepted Jesus Christ for the first time as their Lord and Savior. Five to nine people praying. What would happen if 50 of us, if 100 of us, if 200 of us came and we joined together constantly in prayer, not only connecting deeply with each other, but connecting deeply with God through prayer? Maybe, maybe. We wouldn't have to rearrange our theology. We'd have to rearrange our lives because Jesus would break in and break out and break through in ways that we've never seen Him before until we reach the entire community and the entire college, which is our purpose as a church. We need to pray. So I ask you, if Wednesday nights aren't good for you, tell me. 
We'll change. We'll add. We'll do something different. You say, oh, well, we got to do it at night. We got to do it in the morning. We'll get another group together. But if we want what the early church had, it's time we do what the early church did. And when we do, we're going to see the faithfulness of God in ways that will rock your world. We want it. We need to want it enough to not only wait, but get ready. But get ready. The church was born in a prayer meeting, not when somebody was preaching. So you say, why don't you shut up then and we can pray? (laughs) No such luck. Um, We're getting there. We're getting there. The church was born in a prayer meeting and the church will continue to be revived and strengthened and empowered through prayer. I, I ask you just one last thing about that before we move on. God's power, God's presence in your life is proportionate to the frequency and passion of your prayer. You want God to show up and show off in your life, in this church, in this college, in this town? It's time we got our knees calloused a little bit. We sang about it. I'm falling on my knees. Time we did as we connect with each other and connect with him. Last point, and then we'll close. And we're going to have a blessing here. Oh, oh, God is going to show up. It's great. Connection point number three. Say it with me because it's the last time you're going to have to do it. Come on. Connect deeper with God's word. Okay, verse 20 in Acts 1. Peter was speaking. He said, For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place, may Judas's place be deserted. Let there be no one. To dwell in it, he was quoting Psalm 69, 25. And Peter went on and said, and may another take his place of leadership. Peter was quoting Psalm 109, verse 8. The early church and Peter and the people were deep into God's word. That was their blueprint for the church. It was the blueprint for their lives. It was the word of God that was, that was having its fruit in their lives and they were connected to it. They knew it. They believed it. They stood on it. They advanced on it. When God's word said it, they did it. And God showed up and did all he promised. So if God isn't doing all he promised, maybe we're not connected deeply enough to each other. Maybe we're not connected deeply enough to him in prayer. Maybe we're not connected enough deeply to his word. He has an answer for your every question. He has a direction for your every quandary. He has a hope for your every despair. It is in his word and in his spirit. And we need to be connected through that. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. I'll share just a little testimony. I was struggling with a, with a particular sin in my life that I had played with for too long. And it was burdening my heart, mainly because I don't want to disappoint God who loves me so much and he gave his life for me. I want to do what he says do. And I was struggling with this and I didn't want anything in my life to hinder his working in your life and in this church. So I went to bed. I don't dream very often. They say you dream every night, but you always remember it or something. So I wake up. And all I have is this verse that's on my head. It's in my mind about this. It connects directly to this struggle in my life. And Shri's uh, brother and sister-in-law uh, were visiting with their kids, and they were sleeping downstairs, which is usually where I do my Bible study and prayer in, in the morning because I'm a holy man, and that's what we do. Um, that was a little levity. I was kidding. But it's downstairs where this Bible was, and I didn't want to go downstairs and wake them up. So I went to the office 
which is right next to our bedroom upstairs. And uh, there was a Bible on the shelf, and it wasn't one that I'd seen or really used before. Sheree's grandmother, it's an old um, uh, Schofield reference Bible, you know, and it's worn. And, and I thought, you know, I saw her name on the inside, and I said, well, this would be great. I'll use this today. And it had one of these. It had one of these uh, bookmarks, this, you know, satin bookmarks. And I decided, let's just see what she was reading, what she was praying over, what she was being edified by the last time she was in God's Word using this particular Bible. And I opened it up, and right there is that verse that God left me with. He wants to speak into your life. And rather than be condemned by that, in that I realized that God's word in a deeper way wants to speak into my life, the details of my life, the struggles of my life in the here and now and to set me free. And my friends, today I have victory over something that I haven't had for a very, very long time. Now there's other stuff. There's other junk that God wants to unearth and heal and call into the light and shed his blood over. But God's word is for you and it's alive. And we need to connect deeply with it. Waiting needs to be more than the passage of time between big events. It is God getting us ready getting us ready, changing our hearts, changing our minds, changing our attitudes, changing our lives so that we can receive and do all that he has planned. It's what the early church did. And God showed up in a way that rocked the world. Our world, our families, our friendships, our community, and our college, and our lives desperately need that. Let's connect. Next week, we're looking at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit showed up. This week, let's not just wait. Let's prepare. Let's get connected. Let's pray. Lord, I am broken before you. Lord, I ask that all of us would be broken before you. You are so good. And so gracious, and there is mercy and hope and grace for us at your feet, at the foot of the cross. Lord, as followers of you, we confess that we've been unconnected with each other in the way that you call us to be. That we would be one as you and the Father are one. Lord Jesus, I haven't even wanted it the way I should, much less done it. Lord, we we confess to not preparing by praying, connecting with you in prayer as we should. Lord, if we want to walk with you, we want to talk with you, we want to listen to you, we want your opinion on everything. We want to pray as we breathe. We want to come together constantly and pray as the early church did. We confess that we haven't gotten there yet. And Lord, we want to connect with your word your holy and precious word, it is truth, it is power, and it is life. And we thank you for it. And we want to eat it and drink it, know it, obey it, be changed by it. 
If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and like me, you want to connect more deeply with each other. You want to connect more with God through prayer. You want to connect with his word. Raise your hand as I am to God. As a, as, a, as a reflection of your heart, hands going up all over the place. Do you want a fresh start, fresh following? I'll pray for you as I pray for myself. Oh, praise God for you and your willingness. He'll meet you here. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you f- for calling us closer to connect with each other and we'll do it. We want to get involved in each other's lives. We want to get our hands dirty with each other's issues. We want, to, we want to rejoice with each other. We want to carry each other. We want to walk together. We want to do life together. We want to do faith together. Lord, we want to pray together. We want to come together as a church. We want to come together as families. We want to come together as friends and pray. And Lord, we will see, we will see you. We will know you and you will break forth in new ways to advance your kingdom. Call others to yourself. And Lord, we want to connect to your word. And we thank you. We make a commitment now. We're going to do it. We're going to do it by your strength and by your grace. And we can't wait to see. We can't wait to see what you've planned for us, Lord. We're not just going to wait. We're going to get ready. We're going to get ready and see you break forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Still praying. Still praying. There's others of you who are sitting here and you're hearing the word of God and you know that there's, a, there's someone speaking to your heart. It's the Holy Spirit. You're hearing words of connection, connection to other people, connection mostly to Jesus Christ, the lover of your soul, the one who came and lived the life that you couldn't live, that none of us could, who died the death that all of us deserved on the cross as our substitute in our place for our sins and then rose again so that he could give us life and give us forgiveness and make us the men and women and young people that he called us to be, that he created us to be. And you hear about this connection and you're saying, I know, I know that that's what he's calling me to, but I also know in my heart that I've lived my life disconnected. I don't want to be disconnected anymore from you, Lord Jesus. I don't want to be disconnected from you anymore. If you would say this morning, I want to be connected by your grace, by your gift. I want to be forgiven. I want to be washed clean. I want to be welcomed into the family of God. I want you as my Lord and my Savior. I don't want to be disconnected one moment more. I want you now in my life and forever. I want to walk with you. I want to be where you are. I want to be connected. I don't want to go on being disconnected If you would say that, if you would make that step of faith, if you would ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior this morning, I ask you to raise your hand to God. Raise your hand to God. God bless you. I'll pray for you. Another hand back there. I'll pray for you. God bless you. I will pray for you. We'll pray together. Anyone else? There's three. Anybody else who would say yes? Yes. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you. Make this prayer your own. Lord Jesus, I believe that you came for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again for me. So that my sins may be forgiven. And I come to you now with all my issues, with all my sin. And I ask you to wash me clean through your blood. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for loving me. Not some future version of me, but right now. Thank you for bringing me from darkness into light. Thank you for bringing me from death into life. I ask you right now 
to connect me to you, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. And I will walk with you and I will follow you all the days of my life until you take me home to be with you for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God for his mighty work. Mm. Oh, he's good. He's good. If that was you, if you just prayed, if you're one of the four, come see me. I have a gift for you that will encourage you. And, 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 and we want to we build you up. We want to tell you what this new life is all about. Welcome to the family of God. Ah, there is celebration going on in heaven. Let there be celebration in our hearts. Let's stand. Let's give him praise. We're going to sing. Um, we're going to rejoice. If you need prayer over anything we looked at this morning, prayer over any area of your life, if you need God to break in and break through and break out in new ways you come, you pray.